7. I won't be long today, but actually I look at my clock and I've got 40, you know, 39 minutes. So that's about average. So, uh, but I think at the, I think we might uh, have a little time to to pray at the end. I'm excited about that opportunity. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Does any? I see one jersey in the house. That's is that undoubtedly a Patriots jersey. There you go. There you go. Brady all the way. Awesome. He didn't lose a bet. Uh, he he's here supporting uh, the Patriots. Uh, any any Giants fans in the house? There you go. Got a couple of Giants fans. I, you know I'm kind of irrelevant at this moment. It just does, it'll just be a great game. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, so enjoy the Super Bowl this afternoon. But in the meantime, I want to talk to you and begin talking to you about a topic called the river. My daughter told me, Laura Beth's here today. In fact, Josiah's in the house again. If you missed Josiah last Sunday, he's here. Uh, and when I came in, he was awake. I kind of doubt that now, but uh, we can wake him up at the end of church if you want to uh, and just throw him around, let everybody hang out with him a little bit. My second grandson. So uh, good to have him here. Uh, but Laura told me, said, Dad, you do realize there's a movie coming out, a scary movie called The River. It's a TV show. I said, I did not know this. Uh, but I, in case you're thinking I'm going to talk about that show, certainly not. And, and the only thing this message is going to be scary to is the devil. Okay? So the devil's getting nervous already. So The River. Jesus said in John 7, verse 37 through 39. I want you to turn in your Bible, though I'm going to show it to you here on the screen. I want you to see this in your Bible. So find it in your Bible and begin to mark it and begin to take note of it and begin to meditate on it, begin to memorize it and all the above. Uh, and this is a portion of it, but I want to read it in its entirety, verse 37 through verse 39. Uh, on the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, I really don't have the voice for this, but I would love to be able to cry out. Anybody got some shout in them? Uh, somebody that's not afraid to just really embarrass themselves? Okay, all right. Nobody. Okay, Ray. Okay, Ray. Come here, Ray. Without a microphone. You got it pulled up? You don't need a microphone. What did Jesus stand and cry out and do it as you think he might have done it? Oh, no, wait. That's not, uh, I don't think that's crying out. And everybody said amen. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> Thank you, too. In reality, and we'll talk about this in a minute, the, uh, Jesus was so passionate about this, and I'll explain it in a moment, but he cried out. He stood on the last day of the feast and cried out, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of the, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But look in verse 39, John's explanation. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, thank you for the reading of your word today. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives as we endeavor to allow the river of God to flow through us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let me just give you some preliminary, kind of build a little uh, knowledge. Uh, 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 let's have college knowledge here this for a few moments. Let me just give you some things about what was going on and about the day. This feast that Jesus uh, uh, was interrupting, in a sense, with his bold declaration 
uh, you know, uh, was really, for the Jews, it was called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, and they still celebrate. It's one of the three main feasts that the Jewish people, uh, 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 you know, uh, see and, and, and adhere to every, every year. And so it really commemorates their wa- wilderness wanderings and as they walked through the wilderness for 40 years and ultimately came into the promised land. And so it's a, it's a week of thanksgiving. Now, how many of you, now I know I've got some of your attention now when you say thanksgiving and you think of holidays, whoo, how many of you love that time of year? And, and so you could kind of equate it to thanksgiving, but it was a week long and they just, there was feasting and celebration. In fact, it's one of the most joyous uh, feasts and celebration the Jewish people observe. And, and so it's just, you get the feel of it. It's, it, everybody, it's a party. It's just Woo, man, glory, hallelujah, we're happy. And and so Jesus, on the last day of that feast, stood up and made this bold declaration that you see uh, here on on the screen. And so uh, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, during the week, they'll actually build uh, little uh, three-sided temporary dwellings like they would have maybe in the in their wilderness wanderings and they would actually they'll actually live in these little what you and I might call huts uh, as they celebrate this feast it's just a big it's like camping out for the kids and so catch the feel it's a real season of celebration and thanksgiving for the for the the Jewish people so that's the feast of tabernacles and at the end of this huge feast Jesus gets up and makes this declaration and kind of my my commentary on it would be after all of this feasting, after all that you've had and enjoyed, and everybody's probably by this time just going, whew, this has been one great week. How many of you would love to have Thanksgiving every day for a week? I mean, just, I mean, times 10, just over the charts. That's what was going on. And Jesus makes this bold declaration. In fact, he cries out, if anyone is still thirsty, let him come to me and drink. In other words, if there's something in you that is still not satisfied, I can be that which satisfies you. And he cries out. Now, a bold declaration. In fact, when you study my quick study of the Gospels, there's only three places in Scripture where Jesus cried out like this. I'm I'm not talking about... Normally, Jesus, when he spoke, he might even sit down. He was not bombastic, as you and I might think. He was not you know, verbose from the standpoint of of being loud and potentially obnoxious for any only three places that I can find where Jesus cried out like this. And it is a bold, loud declaration to as many as can hear. The first one was actually in this same chapter in John chapter 7, I think it's verse 28, somewhere in there. Uh, Jesus, in defense of his father, and I don't, I won't take time to give you the context, but uh, his father was being doubted. Father God was being doubted and questioned, and he's being doubted and questioned by the religious people. And he cries out with a bold declaration about his father. He says, I know him and he knows me. And man, he's defending the father. How many of you know, when you start dealing with family, people can get uh, pretty bombastic, pretty in a hurry. And so in his honor, he stands up and he cries out about the validity and the character of God, his father, in the, in the midst of this religious attack, if you will. And so that's the first time. The second time is at the end of this feasting when he's declaring to all that uh, had been a part of the feast, if you're still thirsty, come to me and drink. 
And if you do, if you believe, as the scripture has said, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. The third place where it says Jesus cried out was on the cross. When he thought his father and he knew his father had forsaken him and he cries out the same way with that same emotion, that same passion. Uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I share with you those three, past, those three instances to kind of bring to you the, 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 the serious nature of what Jesus, the passion of Christ. How many of you know uh, the cross description shows the heartbreak of Jesus as he realized his father had forsaken him for the moment? And so he cried out. But in reference to this outpouring of this river in the lives of people, he was just as passionate about as passionate as he was about his loving father God that he loved and came forth from. And so, so we see in this passage of Scripture some real passion from, from Christ, some real passion of Jesus about the topic. And the topic is this. And it's, he's referencing Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And he's saying, hey, if you're thirsty, you can come to me and drink. And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John says, oh, what he's talking about uh, had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. In other words, he's talking about a future topic, which happens to be Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And they're all praying. They're waiting there in obedience to God. And if you want to turn over there quickly and momentarily let me show you this they're in obe obeying god they're in the upper room they're praying they're seeking god uh, in fact acts chapter 1 verse 14 says they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and they're praying and they're seeking god and they're waiting on the promise of the father and acts chapter 2 a suddenly comes and it says uh, then in the day of when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and you know the story how as they went out into the marketplace all the people from different backgrounds and dialects were there because of Pentecost. And they all heard them speaking in their own languages. And they heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. And some people said, these guys, <coughs> pardon me, this would be a good cue for someone to get me a drink of water. <coughs> They're a little slow there, but uh, amen. I got one coming. That's okay. Thank you. These guys are drunk. They've been overdoing it. And they said, we can't be drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. In other words, this is something. And then we know the story. Peter gets up and he begins to preach under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And the church is born. 3,000 people are born again that day. And the church is born. Why? Because of this great promise that Jesus gave in John chapter 7, verse 37. If you come and you believe, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Let me give you one important insight about this occurrence, about this promise of Jesus. <coughs> Maybe I'll just wait. Turn around, love somebody, say thank you for coming. Thank you for coming while I wait for my drink. 
I got ushers scrambling on all sides. I'll probably get five drinks sometime by tomorrow. Oh, here we go. Thank you, Jeremy. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Will you just wait for me to squirm? No, don't do that. Thank you, Jeremy. It's the promise of the Father. And so Acts chapter 2, this promise that Jesus talked about, this outpouring, this river, was released through the people. And here's the important insight I want you to see. Here it is. The release of the river within the heart of the believer is not simply to satisfy spiritual hunger flowing selfishly to him, but influentially flowing through him to a world that is so desperately in need of a Savior. Did you catch that? This is what you and I need to understand about this river that Jesus promised would flow through us. It's not just to satisfy our spiritual hunger. In fact, he said, if you're still thirsty, come to me and drink. It does do that, but this river is not simply to satisfy our selfish needs for whatever we may have or really the, rea the very real needs we have in our life, but it's not just designed to flow to us. In fact, what you, you see in Scripture, this river, it, it doesn't flow to us. It flows through us. Did you get it? Tell your neighbor, it just doesn't flow to us. It flows through us. Tell somebody. The river doesn't flow to us. It flows through us. It says, out of his heart. I love what King James says. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. And we see that working within the life of the first church in Acts chapter 2. When they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, what began to happen? The Spirit of God began to flow through them. And the church was born and thousands of people's lives were radically transformed because of the river. And my friend, I want you to understand and I want us to catch this reality together that God wants the river to flow through us today. And this week, this month, this year, for the rest of our life, you know what? This promise that Jesus said, this, this revelation Jesus shared there in John chapter 7 on the last day of the feast, it, it's applicable to us today. And we can learn and grow and, and, and appropriate the directive of God for our life. And the Holy Spirit can flow not just to us, but through us. How many of you would love to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit to move through in these days before us? I really believe this coming year as we've moved already into February and as we look to the next 11 months of this 2012 that we ought to look with great anticipation and expectancy and, and posture ourselves and position ourselves at a place where not only the river is coming to us but the river is flowing through us and people's lives are being transformed and changed because of the river of the Holy Spirit flowing through our life. This morning... I just want to give you four simple words. In fact, something interesting today, I, I sent my PowerPoint to uh, uh, Ike back there and he actually texted me back and he said, Pastor, there's only three slides in your PowerPoint. Is there something missing? I said, no, it's simple. Uh, and uh, I don't know if he liked that or not. I think you will today. I see four important words that are available for us, directives, if you will, for the river to run through us. 
Now, the first thing before I share any of those with you, here's the key. It's for anyone. Everyone say anyone. He said, if anyone is thirsty. In other words, the invitation for the river to run through us, not just to us, but through us, a river of living water is available to anyone. But how many of you know anyone doesn't mean everyone? Because he gives four directives that I see in this passage of Scripture that are, if you will, prerequisites to be a recipient and a beneficiary and, and a conduit for the Holy Spirit to flow through you. And let me share them with you this morning. The river uh, runs through those or anyone, we could say, anyone who is thirsty. He said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If there's something on the inside of you that has not been satisfied, if you realize that after all this blessing and all this benefit and all this fun and frivolity and all this joy and family time, if there's still a void in your life, if you're still lacking something on the inside, you come to me, but you've got to be thirsty. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you know, his first real recorded message called the Beatitudes. I think verse 7, he said, blessed are those who what? Hunger and what? thirst after righteousness for they shall be satisfied understand something about the river and the power and the influence of the holy spirit there has to be a hunger and a thirst in your heart for more of god and i pray today if nothing else happens out of this message today if you can get beyond the frail voice of this preacher this morning and something on the inside of you says, you know what, I'm just not satisfied. There's something missing in my life. There's, some, there's a void in my life. I know I love Jesus. I know I love him. But there's something I need beyond just what I have. If you're thirsty, you can come to him. You know, I love uh, Jesus' teachings and this particular ch- teaching uh, is at least in two Gospels. Uh, you remember where Jesus said, ask and it will be given unto you. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And what is it? Seek and you shall find three different things. I know one in Matthew 7, I think. But Luke chapter 11 records one that I love. And he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall knock and the door will be opened unto you. The cool thing about that verse it means to ask and keep on persistently asking seek and keep on persistently seeking knock and keep on knocking until the door is open to you in other words just stay with it and then he says this on down a few verses he said if a father if a son asks for his father a fish will he give him a stone and what's the obvious answer If he asks for an egg, will he give him a snake? No. He said, hey, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, there you go, to those who what? Ask him. But it's not an asking, Lord, I just want the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. The picture is... Someone who's hungry and thirsty for more. Someone who says, I'm going to just keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking. And I'm going to keep asking because there's, there's a void in my life. There's something I need. Amen. So the river runs through those 
who are thirsty and hungry for more. If you're satisfied, you're satisfied. But I'm telling you today, I believe God, whatever our spiritual experience has been in the past, God wants to give us more of Him. He wants to pour out His Holy Spirit upon us in ways that we've never dreamed. So the first thing that I see Jesus, the prerequisite of the river flowing through us, is there has to be a hunger. There has to be a thirsting. And the second word that I see, He says this, uh, if you're thirsty, you've got to come to me. Everyone say, come to Him. You've got to come. You know, there's some people that, that they, they want more, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get more. My wife, she's not here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. My wife has a phrase a lot of times. She said, I am starving to death. I am starving. I said, well, did you take anything for lunch today? No, and I'm starving to death. I haven't had any lunch. I, and, you know, the mercy in me goes, well, that sounds like a personal problem. Like I'm supposed to fix her lunch and take her, you know. So I'm starving to death. And I'll say, well, Beverly, there's a can of soup in the pantry and some crackers. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I thought you were starving. Oh, so you're really not starving. She wants something she wants. But you know what? A lot of people, when it comes to, you know, ah, maybe so, maybe not, they're not willing to do whatever it takes to get what, what they desire. And Jesus said, you've got to come to me. Everyone say, come to him. I love Peter. Peter's a great illustration for me. You know, if you've been around here long, Peter's one of my heroes. And the reason he is because he's just a good old boy who God uh, decided to use and who had something on the inside of him that God could use. And the thing about Peter, he was always ready to come to Jesus. When Jesus found him by the sea there in Galilee, I saw Mary and, and Sam. We were in Israel. We were within 100 yards probably of where this actually took place. We're by the sea, and Jesus borrows his boat. The disciples, you know the story, Luke 5, they've been fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus walks up into the middle of their, their mistake, in the middle of their failure, and says, can I borrow your boat? And he gets in the boat and moves out a little ways from the sea and teaches them some things. And then you know the story where uh, Peter, uh, he asked Peter, launch out and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter said, well, we've been fishing all night. We've caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, we'll obey you. And they went did so and they let down their nets and they caught a net breaking boat sinking load and they come back to shore all excited about the miracle peter's heart is is convicted by the all the ministries he he's had uh, uh, uh by jesus and jesus said you know if you'll just follow me i'll turn you into a fisher of men i'll transform your life if you'll just come and follow after me and you know what the bible says the next verse it doesn't say peter went home and prayed about it it doesn't say Peter went home and, and called the counseling clinic and, and began to get counsel from all the different, you know, influences in his life. It doesn't say that Peter looked at Jesus and said, man, I appreciate the opportunity. Hey, uh, I've got two or three kids that are about to go into elementary school and go, oh, that T-ball started and I don't know, Lord have mercy. You know, I got two in T-ball and, and, and one that's about to graduate. I, oh, man, I'm going to have to work this into my schedule. He didn't say any of that. The next word verse he left his nets he left his livelihood and he followed Jesus and then in the middle of his ministry the disciples are in the boat and the storm comes up and they're all sore afraid you ever been sore afraid I think that's King James for really scared <laughs> 
They were all so afraid. They were really scared. They thought they were about to lose their life. And they looked and here comes Jesus walking on the water. And some thought it was a ghost. And, and uh, then they realized this is Jesus. He's walking on the water. And, and, and uh, all the oh man, what? And Peter said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to. Somebody say, come. Bid just, I know this. I, I got this one down a little. If you'll just bid me to come, I'll do it. Jesus said, it is I, come. And I don't know if Peter rolled up his, picked up his garment or what, but he stepped out of that boat and started walking on the water. And only when he looked down did he start to sink. See, Peter spent his life, he understood what it meant to come. And even after he denied the Lord, made the biggest mistake of his life, he's back at the sea. You see, his first time he met Jesus was by the sea. And he came and followed him. And then in the sea, he stepped out and came down. And after his failure of denying the Lord, they're back out at sea doing what they do best, catching nothing. And they look on the shore and there's the resurrected Christ. This time, he didn't need an invitation. I got this one. I've been here and done this. I'm not afraid to come. And because he was willing to humble himself and go and sit by the shore and let the resurrected Christ who he had just a few days before absolutely denied cook him breakfast put him back together spiritually get him back on track with the destiny of God for his life fill him with the Holy Ghost and anoint him to be the first Pentecostal preacher and a phenomenal influence throughout all the world and all of history why? because he was willing to come Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, you've got to thirst. If you're thirsty, that's one thing. But the next thing you've got, you've got to come to me. You've got to humble yourself before me. You've got to realize that, uh, that the source is, is me. He said, you've got to come to me and drink. This is where it's coming from. It's not coming from religiosity. It's not coming from just faithful duty, uh, serving and duty. It's coming from me. You've got to come to me. Jesus is the source. Amen. You got to thirst. You got to come. And then you've got to partake. It's amazing to me how many people come to church and hear the word, but they don't ultimately apply the word. How many people think, oh, if I come and punch my time clock or if I come and listen to the preacher, if I do this and I do that, somehow God's going to give me what I need. You know, no, it's up to us to partake. We partook of the Lord's table just a few moments ago. And and, and I made a special note for you to to catch and understand. Jesus uh, made the disciples. In fact, if you go back to the Gospels, he broke the bread and he said, take, eat all of it, eat it. Because this is a representation of my broken body for you. You have to partake. 
This represents my blood that's going to be poured out for your sin. Take and drink from it, all of you. You've got to partake. You cannot sit on the sidelines. You've got to get involved and partake of what he has for you and digest what he has for you and, and, and embrace what he has for you and say, oh, I'm coming to Jesus and I'm not coming just to see the parade. I'm not just coming to see the miracles. I'm hungry for him. Amen. You've got to partake. You've got to be willing to partake of all that he is. Even the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 12, verses 1 through 3, one of the phrases says this, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. It didn't say with joy Jesus will draw water and pour it down your throat. It says you've got to draw. You've got to be willing to partake. You've got to be willing to say, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm not going to sit and doubt. I'm going to sit. I'm not going to, you know, analyze. I, hey, I need this. I'm hungry. I'm all in. I'm following you. I'm coming after you. And I'll partake of whatever you can throw out. Interesting to me, Jesus taught a hard saying in John 6. He said, you know what? You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all the religious people went, ooh, this guy is whacked out now. And it says from that time, many people, many disciples, they didn't follow him anymore because they thought he had gotten into zombieism or something. You got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. I don't understand that. No, that's not what, what he was talking about. He was talking about partaking of all that who he was. And, and he looked around at Peter and said, are y'all going to leave us? He said, we can't, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of life. We'll partake. We may not understand it all, and they didn't, but they, they partook. Amen. And the last word that I see, Jesus said, we've got to embrace. If we're going to let the river flow through our life, is we've got to believe. It's a faith issue. Look what he said. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. How many of you know you've got to believe in him in order to drink from him? You've got to believe. In fact, if you went all the way past, through Acts and you'd see the different instances where, where, the, uh, where believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and the river began to flow through them, Acts 19... I'm not sure. I think it might be Ephesus. I can't remember where he was, but some disciples came to the church there and historians tell us it was probably 19 years after Acts 2 Pentecost experience. And it said, and, and, and Paul comes and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we don't even know what you're talking about. We don't know there is a Holy Spirit. But understand what the apostle said. He said, you know, you've got to believe first. And, and after you believe, you can come to a place where you can receive. And Jesus said, if you believe on me, if you have faith, you can receive. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit has been doubted for centuries. In fact, even on Pentecost Sunday, they're just drunk. For over 2,000 years, people have been doubting and disbelieving that the Holy Spirit is available today. And discussing it and, and, and debating it. And all the while they discuss and debate, all over the world, people are receiving day in, day out. 
the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. I, I've heard tell that even a Baptist can get filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't even have to go to Pentecostal church to receive. All you have to do is thirst and come to Jesus and partake of Him and believe. I love what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 after he preached the, the power of the gospel uh, and, and uh, he, he said in verse 38 and Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The promise. Everyone say the promise. If you remember what Jesus said uh, before he left, he said, I'm going to give you a promise. You can go to Jerusalem, you wait. after uh, When I leave, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm promising you that I will not leave you comfortless, but I'll send you the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit to come and, and be with you and to help you and to guide you and to lead you and to empower you and to fill you. You've just got to believe that. And, and, he, and when Peter says, hey, there's a promise here that we're, we're beneficiaries of. How many of you know to, to be a beneficiary of the promise you've got to believe the promise to every promise there is a condition and the condition is jesus said you have to <coughs> pardon me believe well i thought we need to get the evangelist in here and an organ player Somebody gifted and moving me and motivating me. No, that's just maybe your religious experience. There was no, no organ player there at Ephesus. And we don't even know what you're talking about, Holy Spirit. Just the declaration of the word. I believe. I'm desirous of more. I'm coming. I'll partake. I believe this is for me. And you will receive. Hey, I believe in so much. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to ask. I'm going to get hungry. I'm going to start asking. I'm going to start thirsting. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to just not flow to me. I desire for you to flow through me. And use me as a vessel of honor for God. Amen. These disciples believe. In fact, the word came to them from Jesus in Acts chapter 1. And other, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. You know what they did? They obeyed. What's the evidence of faith? Obedience. If you believe, you're going to obey. Him. Hey, thirst, come, partake. You'll receive. I believe God wants to pour His Spirit out upon all of us today. You and I need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Some here today have never experienced what, what these first century disciples experienced in their life. And as a result, you may live a life that is not filled with the power of God and the presence of God like you so desire. Today, as we come to this moment of conclusion, May it really be a moment of beginning for all of us. Where we get so thirsty and so hungry that early in the morning we come to Him. 
Late in the evening, we come together. And we begin to partake. Lord, I'm partaking of all that you are. I'm hungry for you in my life. And I believe you want to bless me with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. To let the river not just flow to me, but through me. The psalmist said there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. You see, God wants to make you glad with His power and presence moving through you today.